Our text for our sermon is the gospel history according to St. Matthew, as recorded in chapter 20, verses 1 through 16. Indeed, the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. After agreeing to pay the workers a denarius for the day, he sent them into his vineyard. He also went about the third hour and saw others standing unemployed in the marketplace. To these he said, You also go into the vineyard, and I will give you whatever is right. So they went. Again, he went out about the sixth and ninth hour and did the same thing. When he went out about the eleventh hour, he found others standing unemployed. He said to them, Why have you stood here all day unemployed? They said to him, Because no one hired us. He told them, You also go into the vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, Call the workers, pay them their wages, starting with the last group and ending with the first. When those who were hired around the eleventh hour came, they each received a denarius. When those who were hired first came, they thought they would receive more, but they each received a denarius too. After they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. Those who were last worked one hour, and you made them equal to us who have endured the burden of the day and the scorching heat. But he answered one of them, Friend, I am doing you no wrong. Did you not make an agreement with me for a denarius? Take what is yours and go. I want to give to the last one hired the same as I also gave to you. Can't I do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? In the same way, the last will be first and the first last. This is the gospel of our Lord. In Romans chapter 9, we are reminded of how God's grace works. Isaac has two sons, they're twins in the womb. Normally the one born first gets the inheritance. And in this case, there's a bigger inheritance than heaven. Because God had promised Abraham that the Savior would be his descendant. So that gets passed on through Isaac, and it's going to get passed on through one of these two boys. Esau is born first, so Esau should have the promise. But if we look at the life of Esau, he disdained the promise. He ran off and married Canaanite women that led him astray in their religion. He sold the promise for a bowl of lentil soup. He didn't care. Jacob was kind of a shyster himself, the name meaning heel grabber. And don't kid yourself, God gave him a lot of crosses in his life before he would beget his 12 sons and even lose the wife he'd originally worked for in the birth of his last son. And so Jacob, though, embraces the promise like you and I. He's a sinner. He doesn't do it perfectly. And so God makes that statement, Jacob, I love, but Esau, I hated. Esau was also called to labor in God's kingdom and to show his glory. But Esau just didn't care. Jacob did see a promise that he wanted. And although his labor was imperfect, God still used him, had predestined him, elected him to be the next in the line of those who would give birth to our Savior. And today, as we look at our gospel lesson, we can tell by the entire comparison Jesus makes that God calls you to work in his kingdom. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we get that impression right away. Anybody he could find, he wanted to work in his kingdom. He wanted that man to go out into his field. But we got to be careful when Jesus makes a comparison not to go beyond the point of the comparison, to read more into it than God wanted. And the big thing we got to ask is, what was the denarius? You've heard me say in sermons before, a denarius was the typical day's pay for the average blue-collar worker. And they all get the same pay when it's all said and done. 
The Daenerys is salvation. It's the package deal of faith, of being connected to Christ, of receiving his righteousness and perfect obedience, of having your sins forgiven and being given eternal life. But we don't earn it. We don't want to go beyond that comparison. The point is, all people are called to faith. And when they're called to faith, then they are called to work in God's vineyard. So the meaning of life for an unbeliever is a little different than the meaning of life for a believer. As our Old Testament lesson, Isaiah 55, verses 6 through 9 says, Seek the Lord while he allows himself to be found. Call on him while he is near. If you're an unbeliever, the meaning of your life is God created you to redeem you and love you. So it is to come to faith and trust in him. But once you come to faith and trust in him, the meaning of your life changes. It's now not only to stay in that salvation by being in his word, and that's labor in his kingdom, but also to share that word. So when you're brought into the kingdom, as First Peter tells us, you are a priest. What does a priest do? In the Old Testament, you would cut your animal's throat that you brought to the temple for sacrifice for your sin. And the priest would take that hyssop plant. He would be God's spokesman. He would dip that plant and then he'd splatter that blood on you, ruining your Sunday best. And it was on purpose to remind you the wages of sin is death. But the blood of the lamb would come, the lamb that is Christ, and remove your sins. And he would announce your sins are forgiven. You are believers. And this is how you labor in God's kingdom. You receive the blood of Christ. You're doing that right now. Did you think about that when we confessed our sins and were reminded that in Christ our sins are forgiven? Thank you, Lord. You've just poured your blood on me. And by the Holy Spirit in your heart, every day you get the blood of Christ. So you come to the word and you hear your need for a savior. You have your sins exposed. I don't like that. But in faith I do. Yes, Lord, expose my sins so I can put them on your cross and hear your gracious word that not you will remove them, you have removed my sins. And once you have heard that word, so this is why you come to the word regularly, you study it so that you not only have it in your life, but you can share it with others. And the more you know the word, the more ammunition the Holy Spirit is being given when people call upon you to give a testimony for what you believe. When you hear your neighbor hurting, so you know how to expose their hurt and then blast them with the hose of Christ's blood. In Jesus Christ has removed your sin forever. So in the parable we see we don't actually earn salvation, but the Daenerys is given to all. We tend to scratch our head and say, but it's not fair. Those guys who came at the 11th hour, they got salvation the same as the people who had it all day. We want to recognize it changes everything when we recognize the privilege of working in God's kingdom. When I was a child and my parents had moved into their new home, the first house they ever owned, I was just a month short of my birthday, turning five. And I remember sometime that summer, my dad had decided it was an unfinished basement where the washer and dryer was to put up a shelf that my mom could put all her detergents and stuff on. And he gets out his drill and the screws and he's cut the shelf and everything. I had a little toy drill where you pull the cord and it spins. And I'm pretending like I'm helping daddy. Daddy turns to me and he says, Fred, how would you like to drill the holes for this? Now, do you think I was actually helping my dad as he had to lift me up on top of the dryer? No, 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 no. Hold the drill straight and, and you know, pull that trigger. Don't let go. Squeeze that trigger all the way. You've got to put some power. I slowed him down. I wasn't doing him a favor. 
The privilege was all on my end. He was giving me, doing me the favor. And as I have to fix things around my own house all the time, I'm thankful that daddy taught me how to use a drill. But the point was, it was actually a privilege to help my dad. And I thought I was a big boy that day. Well, it's a privilege to work in God's kingdom. And when we recognize that, it removes us. It's not fair. They got the same amount as I did. Because we recognize it is a joy to share the blood of Christ. The greatest thing I pray for the Lord is for my children remain in their salvation and I and my spouse do. And I have thanked the Lord with friends in that. What a privilege that God, while I'm praying for a friend to come to faith, that God says, you know, not only am I going to answer your prayer, but I'm going to let you be part of the answer. I'm going to give you the privilege of sharing my word and you the joy of then getting to see your friend come to faith. But we want to say at the same time it's not fair because if, if, if somebody is on their deathbed and they've been an unbeliever their whole life and they come to faith, well, when we play the it's not fair game by saying, what about guys like Hitler? Right? In my lifetime right now, Hitler's like the arch bad guy ever. You mean, and this didn't happen. But people will play the it's not fair game by saying, you mean if a guy like Hitler, before he died, minutes before he died, if he heard the word of God and the Holy Spirit entered his heart and he came to believe, he would be saved? Yes. Now that didn't happen in Hitler's case. That is grace. If we want to scream, it's not fair. If we want to scream, God, give me my just wages, we all go to hell. Because every one of us cannot go probably even one minute without thinking a thought that violates God's Ten Commandments. We can't go the day without, without doing or saying something that violates God's holy law. So if God is going to be fair, we all go to hell. So be thankful for the grace and recognize the privilege of sharing that grace. Now there's another way we can miss this as well, if we're the laborers who are there from start to finish. When I was a child, I grew up, I, I would meet people who they had these, I'm going to epitomize the story here. I was at a, at a drunken orgy and I was smoking crack cocaine or whatever. And, and I was having a heart attack and dying as I overdosed. And I gave my heart to Jesus and prayed, God save me. And I felt overwhelming peace. As a side note, if they think they gave their heart to Jesus, they have to know God. God's word has to have come first. God is actually the one who brings them to faith. But I don't want to slight their experience or their emotions. I used to be jealous of people like that because they knew what it was like to be an unbeliever. And they knew that moment, right? At least they thought they did. That is a privilege God gives. And there are gifts a person has in being able to work in God's kingdom and knowing what it's like to go half the day without having any work in the kingdom. But you know what? It's also a privilege. Neither one is worse than the other or better. People like me who... God saw to it that I was born to Christian parents who as an infant brought me to the baptismal font so that I have never known a day in my life in which I did not know my Lord and my salvation. Both are a privilege. So we don't need to play the it's not fair game. We recognize it's a joy to be able to work in God's kingdom, which is his invisible church, and be part of the privilege of bringing others into that kingdom. His word actually does that, but like my dad letting me use that drill that day, God gives us the privilege. So we see God calls you to work in his kingdom, receiving and sharing the blood of Christ and recognizing the privilege of working in God's kingdom. But do you notice those guys who showed up and worked the last hour? God, the, or the master of the field, did not expect them to give in that one hour 
a full 8 to 12 hour day labor, even though he gave them the denarius. See, part of working in God's kingdom is being a steward of what God has and has not entrusted to you. What do I mean? If God has not put it in your hands, if God has not given you control of it, then you're not to be a steward of it. Being stewardship is to recognize God's in control of that. I get you and I get the privilege of splattering the blood of Christ on people, but it's not our job to make them come to faith. That's the Holy Spirit's job. God gives different gifts in his kingdom. You've heard me mention before about a man that had a mental handicap and you really had a hard time even understanding what he said that used to go to church where I belonged years ago. But when you walked in that door, even if you couldn't understand his words exactly, every person who walked through the front door of the church, he was there to greet them. And you knew there was one person in that church that was just elated that you had shown up even if he'd never met you before. Do you think about how laborious that man was in God's kingdom? Oh, he couldn't preach the sermon like the pastor. But God gave him an important task too. I've often said in our council meetings, here in the, especially in the last year, most of our council meeting time has been dominated by maintenance. We've just had a high maintenance year with a lot of things and the entry project and everything. And the council members often hear me say, my area of expertise is biblical theology. What I'm saying there is, I don't know this. I, you, know, you guys know more about this than I do. And in stewardship, it would be foolish for me to start telling you guys what to do here. I have to recognize your gifts and let you do this. Oh, but pastor, I'm not gifted to be a pastor and preach. You know, we just moved the entryway and I'm very thankful for all the members who worked on that. But on those winter days when the old one was blowing shut, do you know how my time and everything having a sermon meant nothing if you couldn't come and hear me preach the sermon. So don't think that the person who plows open the church parking lot and, and who, who, who shovels the snow in our sidewalks is any less significance in God's kingdom than the one who preaches. So God has called me, you have called me, God has called me through you to study the word of God and teach it to you. But he also calls you in your daily vocations with the spiritual and the natural gifts he's given you. He doesn't expect you to be forcing the blood of Christ into every conversation, but he uses you where you're at with the opportunities he presents. So when God calls you to work in his kingdom, don't think that means you have to be a soloist. Don't think that means you have to be a preacher, but don't think that means you don't do anything. It means you recognize the natural gifts and talents and the time God has placed in your hands and you use them. Now, the greatest way we actually labor in God's kingdom seems very selfish to us. I've already mentioned it. We come and we hear the word. In fact, he has a commandment about that. Good stewardship means regularly being in the word so that we can know all the work that God does for us so that we can be reassured and strengthen our faith in that blood of the lamb so that we can share it, which puts us right back to our first part of our sermon. And so, brothers and sisters in Christ, Jesus died for the sins of the world. When we come to faith, when the Holy Spirit enters our hearts, so we believe he died specifically for us. We are now in God's kingdom, the invisible church. And he calls us to work in it. God calls you to work in his kingdom, receiving and sharing the blood of Christ, recognizing the privilege of working in God's kingdom, 
and being a steward of what God has and has not entrusted to you, being confident that your salvation is secure in the hands of your Savior. Amen. And now to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his own blood and made us a kingdom and priest to God his Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen.